This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k at all levels of the game competitively. Yeah, I mixed it up. I'm going to stick with that intro. I am your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have the Chapter Tactics new darling, consistent three week in a, a row co-host, Skari. The Hola amigos, como están todos? And then with me, I brought an old, classic Chapter Tactics co-host, Val. Yes, I'm still a co-host on Chapter Tactics, Hevelfinger. Smell the gnar. <clears throat> and then finally, uh, Chapter Tactics first. Uh, someone I'm surprised I've never actually had on an episode, even though he's been such a pillar of the community, Thomas Goatboy. It's because no one ever asks me. They always forget that usually I can spend some time chit-chatting because I'm a chatty, chatty caddy. Biatch, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is why we don't have you on the episode. You immediately come with the chatty caddy drama, <laughs> and I don't, I don't. So did you it. just say biatch? I did. Huh. I'm, this I'm, is I'm, a family I'm, show, go boy. Is, that's is that it? Texas talk for you. I, I, I had I, the I, finger hovering over the monetize button, and now I gotta take it away. <laughs> oh my god! All that money that you're missing. Oh no. <laughs> All right, so for today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, some stuff. That sounded like today's episode. Just... Uh, I heard that too. You know, that's head. a different kind of episode, Val. That's the, the Skinamax New and version. improved, not safe for work, chapter tactics. It's never been for the super, super secret patrons club. Patrons <laughs> gentlemen's club. You get a calendar by Pablo of all the naughty bits. Mm. All I'm right, just, so just Pablo. Uh, for today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about what it's like to play on stream at a level at a top tier high level event uh we're going to talk about things you should do things you should expect uh judge calls and we're also talk a little bit about how to deal with poor judge calls or on the spot judge decisions that you may not like Uh, a lot of times those moments though very rare can get can be very stressful and so it's important that if you're listening to this episode and you plan on going to places like the novo open the las vegas open adepticon uh, or any other event that has a really large stream uh you may get picked to be on stream and I don't want you guys to intentionally tank your games so that you don't get picked on stream. I want everyone to have an opportunity to be on a 40k stream at least once in their lives. I really love when they have the stream, and I think that it's a real it's a real experience. Um, so this episode is going to serve as a little bit of a guide for those of you who are maybe anxious to go on stream or maybe wondering what it's like to be on a GW or other 40k stream. We're also going to talk a little bit about Val's 
Taunar supremacy suit domination Woo. this weekend. The which Bonar. I, <laughs> which I'm, I'm going to let him take away uh, right after all these announcements. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Goat Boy and what he's planning on using because I've got a lot of interesting stories about Goat Boy and what he's run in the past. He's, he's been a bit of an idol for me in terms of unique lists. All right. Before all of that, remember this episode was brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org and the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network, where you can find all sorts of awesome podcasts, signals, chapter tactics, the Art of War, and a little-known podcast called 40K Stat Center for all Ooh. of your 40K goodness. You can also go to FrontlineGaming.org to, for all your tabletop goodies, FLG mats, second handies from myself, and so much more. Also, if you feel like supporting the podcast, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash chapter tactics, where patrons can win a monthly prize, ask questions at the end of the episode, even though I just remembered I completely forgot to ask the patrons to submit questions. So patrons, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Normally you can't, you get an opportunity to ask questions at the no end of the episode. No questions every, for damn you it. guys. Not today. <laughs> They're all going to ask for their refunds. Don't do it guys. I promise I'll make it up to you. Um, you uh, but, but joking aside, at, at the end of every episode, we get get the patrons a chance to ask us questions that we answer at the end of every episode. It can be about anything, usually pertains to the topic. And then finally, you are entered in a monthly raffle where every month I raffle off one lucky patron something interesting. This month, it's probably going to be something Space Marine related or uh, the mysterious warp event related, whatever whatever's interesting. I'm waiting on GW to, to you know release something interesting before I announce something for this month. Um, but it's going to be something cool. An Iron Hands tech marine guy with a heavy bolter. Yeah, yeah he's so. pretty cool. Hey, it's pretty cool. I like so it. are those other things they talked about. Good grief. <laughs> he's got oh, some disco boots. Yeah, uh, so well, we're going to have a Space Marines Roundup episode. It's definitely coming. Oh, um, we're just waiting for the rest of the supplements to come out. But Also, this, this month is going to be like Amazing Space Marine Drop plus new Plastic uh, Aspect Warriors. How dope is that? Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting for New Aspect Warriors for 20 years. I, don't know. I think it's, it's been a long time. A we, had rumors, we had rumors on plastics about four years ago that I've been sitting on. So we had rumors a long time ago about them. We're like, okay, well, I guess we'll see when they come out. Unari came out, and I guess they didn't come out this time. So there right you on. go. So was that, did, is that a, a Bell of Lost Souls archive secret? Oh, yeah. it's been. It... We've, been we've heard about it for, um, God... Years ago, uh, some of our rumor people said they got all the Aspect Warriors done. They're ready to go. <laughs> I was like, okay. It's the same time they said they also had the Greater Demons done, and you know we finally saw them come out. So these are these are things that will be interesting to see what the date is on the sprue when they got made. Chilling, chilling in the green room with plastic Gasgol. Yeah, are, oh, are God, these the same Illuminati members who called Eighth Edition and Plastic Sisters? Uh, no, this is another batch of people that. Um, have different access sets. Still Still waiting for that plastic Thunderhawk, though. Mm. I, I I think Stat Center should do an investigation into uh, the illicit wor- world of uh, of forty k rumors and uh, and like we could, we could have someone with like a really gar like garbles. I've uh, I worked at a warehouse <laughs> in, uh, in Nashville. They have like a shadow picture dubbed in <laughs> put it on YouTube. Forty <laughs> k sixty minutes. <laughs> just pluck out their eyes my name is sheep man so uh speaking <clears throat> of bell of lost souls and all that goodness 
Goat Boy actually has been a writer for Bell of Lost Souls for probably longer than he cares to admit. Uh, um, I think it's, uh, let me see, I can calculate this date for you. Hmm. I think it's like around 2007. 12 that years. I've, that I've written an article at least once a week, a lot of times twice a week, and did cartoons multiple times. So I've That's been crazy. doing this for a long time. All you yeah. youngsters. <laughs> He's also uh, the artist of multiple, multiple podcasts, including uh, all of the faction pictures that you see on Frontline Gaming. So if you're one of those people checking out your ITC score daily for your faction, he did the art for your faction, most likely. If you go to LVO and all the banners are usually mine. So Yeah. So he's been around a while. And Thomas, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you do, what armies you like to play uh, before we get going. Well, most of the time, um, this is Goat Boy. I most of the time play Chaos, Chaos-based lists of some sort. Um, that's kind of where I hang. I also like orcs. I do enjoy orcs. I've painted way too many of them. Um, I dabble a little bit in Imperium every once in a while based on if I like the uh, um, some of the model armies. I do have a Custodes army because I like the bikes. Um, but mostly you'll see me as a Chaos player. That's always what I've been. I just enjoy the bad guys or anything else. Like if you see me play a video game, I usually play the bad guys. Um, I know they just look cooler. That's pretty much what came down to it. Uh, that was my first army was Black Legion with a, uh, that old metal-ass Abaddon. That is, uh, mm. I think, stabbed me as I built him. Um, You're talking about no hands, but done. Yeah, it's just just so bad. I played. <laughs> I was playing like at two at uh, the end of second. Played all, all of third. Uh, quit because um, my ex-wife didn't like me playing the game so much. So uh, and then uh, when that ended, I came back. And so so tell I, me, go boy. I know you know you you. I've seen you for many many years run some of the craziest random lists. Uh, that a lot of people have ever seen. Uh, what's probably one of the favorite random lists you've concocted with one of the um, that you've like competitively concocted that you've had the best results with over the years? I have a favorite. Um, let's see. It's hard to make a favorite one. Um, let's see. I was part of the. Ba- I had a. Uh, I did a counts as back in the day of a great army that was uh, dumb and started the initial concoction. Um, I started playing knob bikers as soon as the book came out. And that was probably my army. I did the most damage with where uh, I would beat armies of the one unit while the other one did donuts in the backfield holding objective. Um, from the last chaos one, I was pretty proud of a uh, forward one performance with a mauler fiends. Somehow uh, they died every game and they almost never killed anything every game. So I was pretty proud that I was down like 400 points every every game and only lost to Eldar Flyers because I could not shoot them. So right. I was like, I will take that as a win. I have a uh, follow-up question. Yeah. Uh, are you upset that Don Hooson seems to have, have, have replaced you as the weirdo running weird stuff? Um, no, I talked to Don a lot, and he has like... It's it's like a it's a different side of this the same dumb go boy coin of like I want to play uh, eight models. What are you gonna play? I was like that's what I want to play. Um, what made me sad is somehow I lost uh, two Dodiro Dorito dreadnoughts in my room somewhere. Um, I might have thrown <laughs> in them your away. Room? If you see what my room looks like and how much stuff and client <laughs> stuff is in here, uh, I saw I was, it on TLC once. Yeah, I, I was trying to clean it, and I think I accidentally uh, had a box with them in and didn't notice they were in there. Um, so it's very sad. So that stopped my dreams of Dorito Dreadnoughts doing Dorito Dreadnought stuff. Um, 
but uh yeah i mean uh, i think don uh don is doing stuff i think he just announced today he's gonna be a father so he's gonna become a massive like well you'll see all your time to play games go away hmm. um just as a heads up oh no <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i think uh um he's done some crazy stuff i love it uh and so far on the streams, he seems all right on the streams. Like when I watch him stream the, in the matches, he seemed all right on it and nice, fairly decent on it. Um, I know he had a, some issues with a buddy of mine, but that's about it. Hmm. So, but I, my buddy can be kind of a pain in the butt when he plays. Right on. You know, so, you know who that is, right, Pete? <laughs> Pablo? Uh, well, anyways, um, so, <laughs> um, so my favorite goat boy list uh, in the past to give you guys kind of idea of the kind of crazy lists I've seen this man run um, was actually in seventh edition when you ran the ultramarines blood angels gray knights space marine list that you took to Nova and went four zero and two with so you technically I, never lost a game with it. I never played Nova. So I'm sorry. LVO. Not Nova. <laughs> oh God. LVO. That was my favorite. Oh, that was I, so weird. No, so this was, uh, was this was when I was first starting chapter tactics uh, and I was looking around, just grasping at whatever unique lists I could talk about. And I saw Goat Boy with his Grey Knights, with Drago, Tigarius, and Vic Mephiston in 7th edition, Blood Angels, Grey Knights, and Ultramarines list. And I was so, like, this list is is so cool. It's a, It was, um, so back in the day, do uh, you remember Purifiers? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you remember they had the rule where you can go into other people's drop pods? So basically, um, I would drop drop pods and start cascading out Purify Flame over and over and over again, just all over the table. So you and then um, I would be behind um, I would be behind drop pods. So I'd cast shrouding on myself most of the time with Tigerius. And the army would just come in and just people were like, what just happened? It's like you just got auto hit by a ton of stuff. It doesn't matter what you do. And I would just cascade out all these flames all over the place and have a Death Star of the fist on and nonsense running around punching stuff. Um, I beat so many Necron players. <laughs> so bad. Um, you, you can blame that. Uh, I played, you know, Ben Moley. Mm-hmm. So I played him a bunch with it to test the list out, and he just beat the crap out of me. So as I tried every single iteration of what I could do, and when I finally figured out is, is I just fall down, shroud, and uh, cause problems for them, and just start cascading out Nova's behind stuff so they couldn't get to me. Um, it was just, and then I would teleport. I'd do all kinds of just dumb stuff. But uh, I missed getting in there. I think I missed the top sixteen. Because uh, I was slow played a game. Uh yeah, yeah. Well, seventh edition was was also notorious. That was this was before chess clocks and mm-hmm. and uh, GW stepping in for the FAQ and all that. Anyways, so that's a little Goat Boy history. Uh, mm-hmm. Goat Boy, why don't you tell us a little bit about an event that that uh, Bell of Souls, the place you write for, is hosting? Well, next year, uh, June twelfth through fourteenth in Austin, Texas, we're running a Bowls Open. Um, I will be running the forty k event with my uh, buddy Abe, who's also a writer from Bell Soul. So uh, we're going to be running that. We have AOS, multiple of the other games going on there as we start adding to it. Um, but we're in the middle of Austin. It'll be a, fun, you know, a decent event. It'll be competitive ITC. Um, and I'll be running it, so you can come on down and yell at me about something you might have uh, you hated about what I wrote. I mean, I've gotten mm-hmm. enough hate mail in my time. Um, no one's yelled at me in real life. I've been waiting. Uh, I had one chance, almost one chance. But the guy chickened out and didn't come down and see me. Um, but uh, yeah, come on down. I mean, we're just running that through, uh, you know, Bowls is finally kind of fully investing, fully running event. We're going to have some pretty um, extensive terrain. That was kind of our plan is um, built up, heavy heavy block, heavy line of sight. You know, tables will, some tables will be different, kind of moving up and down through there. 
Um, but yeah, come on down. It's uh, June 12th through 14th, 2020. Right on. It'll be, it'll be hot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to another big event in Texas uh, around in te- you know around that time. So it's great. Another summer event. Um, perfect for everyone who can't go to the ATC if you're it's around the similar time. At ATC, yeah. We accidentally. Um, so Shane had to move ATC back a month because of when they got the contract for the convention center they're moving to. Mm-hmm. Um, we I I talked to them after. We were like as soon as he announced, it's like, hey, that's our date we're announcing. And so we had a talk, and I was like, I don't think it's going to affect much anything because the teams that go to yours are going to go to yours. And when we had an event in Houston at the same time that they normally have theirs, they still got 80, 90 players. Right on. So uh, I was like, Shane's, and Shane's moving back to his normal time the year after that. So overall, I think it's it's fine. And like I said, I talked with Shane. Um, yeah, I think I think when you're when you're like doing stuff from from this chair it just seems like everybody's at you know the big events but everybody's not at the big events like atc weekend this this year i, I swear there were already a couple other majors that ran at the same time there are multiple multiple majors and yeah. you know it's hard for like <coughs> for like you guys to get in the west coast or anything else to get to chattanooga tennessee it's very hard for me it's hard to get to chattanooga tennessee i usually flew to atlanta and drove up there aren't they moving it to, or something like that it's still in Chattanooga, but it's at a convention center, so it'll be a bigger space. Okay. It's um, yeah. costs are pretty high um, for this size event, kind of like in the Atlanta, Nashville area. This is these are things I had. You, I've always had conversations with Shane on, um, and it's one of those things that's like it's it's just a hard thing to set up because you gotta you have a lot of money to put down as a deposit on that stuff. Um, so we'll see as it, if it gets bigger and gets you know things going on. I think you know moving it to a bigger city might be beneficial but then if you're driving terrain everywhere i mean you guys from frontline know how like terrain is such a pain in the butt to get anywhere out yeah yeah absolutely and and you know that's the thing about these these venue plannings is as you expand um you, you know you're just gonna have to kung fu or or maneuver around different events maybe not kung fu <laughs> you shouldn't be kung fuing other events when you're planning about but well, yeah as we as we expand as a, as a gaming community right now there's there's like five to eight events like majors every weekend all around the world so you you a have your pick of what you want to go to and b as a tournament organizer you just kind of put it on when you can and people will just go to the ones they want to go to really yeah and yeah and as val said the there's you know not everyone's going to every single event always all the time right so you've always got the people split up um they're able to go different so usually there's always room for people to go to your event and make your event a major especially if you build it they will come um even if your major's on the same day as another larger event all right so i'm looking for the bulls open is it going to be like a convention style event too where you're going to have vendors and things like that too go boys are going to be more of a tournament focused uh, event there should be vendors there should be anything else um we're going to have uh i think we got some set up from there uh what else we have um that's kind of plan. We're like, this is the first year running it, so we're kind of getting it, get everything you know set up on there. But that's the that's the whole plan with it. Okay, perfect. All right, moving on. Val, yes, been waiting a long time to say Ooh. this. Yeah, you went four and one this weekend with a list that not a lot of people see. No, and Mm-mm. you did well. And congratulations, Val. I that appreciate really, that. You did really good. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your list? Um, oh, you'd never ask. Um, well, it was a Super Tuna, the Menace of 7th Edition, 
that I found discarded in a uh, gamer garage sale. It was like in a beat up box, uh, and it was completely broken and in all of its pieces, uh, but fully painted and not chipped up, which was actually really nice. It had just been been sort of haphazardly glued together and had disintegrated over time. And um, so I was like, well, I don't know what a town are. So I, I basically traded a bunch of old Tyranids for it. And um, then it was uh, remagged together and standing on my desk. I was like, I really want to see what this guy does. And when I read about it, I realized he's like a gigantic broadside unit with um, ballistic skill two, the battlesuit keyword, and really awesome macro cannons, which double damage versus Titanic and just destroy vehicles without involves. And I was like, this thing might have legs. And then I started looking around and of course I called Pete and I was like, Hey, any lists that have used the town are do well. And there was a GT, I think actually in Canada where one came in second, maybe. So it did a little bit better than I did. And, um, and then I made a list. It was bad. And Richard Siegler said, do this. And, uh, Bob's my uncle. I didn't do exactly his list cause I didn't have the models. Um, but I, I did uh, my best Richard Siegler impersonation with it. So it was a bunch of, uh, of uh, like little drone units uh, attached to characters. I had two commanders, two, uh, three missiles, uh, ATS commanders. Um, so I had two of those guys, an Ethereal, Cadre Fireblade, and three units of Pathfinders. With uh, I didn't have any of the Recon or Grav Accelerator drones or whatever. I just had the the drone that, that reduces the, the charge and two shield drones with them. And then I went out and, and did my best. It was awesome. Yeah, it was really nice seeing it on the tables at the event this weekend. And it looked great. And people were always like, oh, man, tuna suit. And like, yep, the tuna, super tuna. The Bonar. Yeah, Scary was there. It was, by the way, it was the Sword and Brush GT run by a local store and, and others. But the guys running the, the gaming part anyway. It's like a painting competition, and they've slowly built up a... Uh, Warhammer tournament portion. It used to be called the 40K Classic. Still is, actually. Um, but they don't uh, comp it like they used to. It's just standard ITC format, and that caught my attention because I, I couldn't get to Nova last, I guess, the week before, so I uh, had a had a free weekend, and I uh, went out to the, to the Sword and Brush. It was really, really great. And, uh, Scar, you actually did really well, too. I know you didn't make the top four cut. However, you were one win away from, from making it. Uh, hey, I was one win away from, from third place. I lost against the guy that came in first and the guy that came in third. Not bad. Um, and uh, two of like, the toughest matchups for the list I was running. But yeah, it was good. I came in seventh overall, which uh, uh, meant Val, you, you, you crushed me on the standings. You went out there and did well. Well, I didn't play you, and that was one of my goals of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my Venoms would have, uh, would have died very quickly to your giant tuna suit. How many um, of them did you have? Six. So they would have you would have killed them in probably two turns. Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> but that's all my shooting. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> uh, however, so I I lost against Jonathan who who came in first with his Crest uh, Knights Crusaders. Yeah. Uh, very very. It's a still a very strong list in the meta right now, and uh, he had a couple of basilisks and and the game just went really south really quickly for me. And then against Kyle, who had flown all the way down from a place called Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay. In, uh, in Canada. He's closer to, I believe, um, Winnipeg than he is to um, Toronto. That might be true. 
and uh, and he flew all the way down for the event, and uh, and ended up taking a double repulsor executioner, two ultramarine leviathan dreadnoughts, uh, um, primaris Calgar, and a lieutenant and a chaplain, and a couple oh. a couple of intercessors with the stalker bolters that do two damage now, and uh, I would have loved to play that guy. <laughs> and it was it was a crazy fun game. Um, even though I played super super cagey and st- what he wasn't able to shoot stuff for like three turns because I was hiding everything I had. Um, he ended up pulling out a two point win, even if I I just failed to get enough points towards the final turns in order to swing the game in my favor. But that was a fantastic game, one of the best games I've had in a while. Like just right uh, just strategy wise, yeah. Um, so speaking of the new Space Marines, I kind of want to get uh, Val's take on this um, hmm. and yours as well, Scary uh, and Gopoy's too. Everyone's take on this real quick. Uh, so first off, Val, supremacy suit. Uh, did you get to play any Space Marines at the event? Um, no, I didn't, and that's fine. But oh, I mean, like, I, I think the, the 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 big suit is really well suited. Oh, oh! I see what you did to the vehicle metal we now find ourselves in. So he's incredibly durable, and he just destroys things um, that are big and tough. I think that's kind of one of the things Tao is good at, is just pointing and clicking and making big big single units go away. So something like what Scari was running, like a lot of, I assume, MSU, a lot of little units, would be very hard for, for that kind of a list to deal with, especially with my skill. Um, and then there's... Um, uh, also, just like hordes, I, I didn't want to play hordes like orcs and stuff like that. But if I had faced that that space marine list, I think the tuna would have had a had a really good time against it. I, oh, I'm not, I'm lying. I played Goran. Uh, he uh, he was playing triple um, uh, executioners with a um, oh man, I just blanked this out of my mind. Uh, he was playing triple executioners as Raven Guard, so they had um, they had uh, plus one, uh, so they had uh, you know some inherent cover save to them, so they were a little bit uh, tankier. And uh, it had a white scars detachment with like a he had he was running like a a jump chaplain. Oh, uh, was it was it the chaplain? Chaplain. You're gonna have to be more specific. Uh, I'm sorry. The uh, what what are the, what is the internet calling him now? He's like slap a smash chap- chaplain. He's slaplin? like a... smash the slaplin. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I I, I don't know the I mean I don't know the exact compass uh, you know pieces of that meme, but um it, you know he had uh, some he had two warlord traits that made him so that I couldn't overwatch him. And uh, he buffed up his attacks and stuff. And really, the only thing is that the tuna has this weird thing where he, he can't fall back and shoot. Yes, I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> That's um, a, oh, you can shoot in combat, but you can't shoot the big things at what you're in combat with the big. And he's guns. Got, yeah, and he doesn't have titanic feet. He has crushing feet. Um, so like they're uh, they're, they're still pretty handy. He's got 15 attacks. It's on fours, but they're one damage each. So he's a little less. He's a little less stompy. <laughs> Uh, but uh, against that guy, uh, against Goran, I um, uh, got first turn, and I was just like, "Well, oh, I win," because I was just about, I was just planning on punking his uh, like at least two of his tanks. He had one repulsor and three of the executioners, and he had the repulsor on one side, and that was the thing that was going to come and just kill my screen, so his smash cap, his smash chaplain could come in, and I went to uh, to shoot it, and uh, and um. He started rolling his saves. I'm like, dude, you don't get a save in Snag Four. He's like, yeah, I'm Raven Guard, and oh. we we had we had talked for an hour before this game, just so we both and I'm, I don't even know if I'm exaggerating. It was a good 45 minutes of just explaining to each other all the different things we could do because it was gonna really 
it was, it was a all or nothing kind of game. Um, cause I was either going to tee off on him or he'd, he'd tee off on me. And, um, he offered, uh, the take back and it's the kind of thing where if I took it, cause I have a strat, this one CP ignore cover on a battle suit. So I could have ignored that. No problem. Had I remembered and I didn't. And so I ate it. Um, because if I had said yes, I just automatically win pretty much. Um, I think at that point. Um, so he, uh, then we proceeded and, uh, and I would just, you know, I was playing the game out, just hoping for something to happen. And he charged his smash chaplain in that, uh, you know, and he got in a base base contact with the town R and, um, then it got, uh, you know, went through my, my phase. I, I couldn't shoot anything with the town R. I could have killed the chaplain, but I didn't. And then we got to his turn, uh, and, um, he went through and he was into his shooting phase. And he went uh, to shoot the towner. And I was like, hey, uh, your chaplain's still in combat there. So Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They're like, careful, don't shoot at the big giant battle suit. You'll hit the slaplin. You'll hit the slaplin. And he he was like, oh. And I think, you know, had I taken the take backs, I guess we kind of basically both made a game losing error. So it swung back to me, and then, uh, you know, then I killed the chaplain in my turn, uh, in his turn, and then killed him. So um, it was two horrible mistakes that uh, that game turned on. And, I, you know, I, I probably should have let him fall back at that point because uh, uh, I also was thinking that he was up to something else, but I forgot that they can just fall back and charge anyway. I didn't, didn't realize that, as some white scars can do. Well, also, if that slaplin survives in combat against the supremacy suit, which is possible as a four of invuln, um, then, you know, he denies you another turn of shooting, right? And then he can fall back on the following turn and do that. So, it you know, it's not impossible to think that he would want to fall back with the chaplain to shoot your supremacy suit, especially when there's, you know, drones that he can kill. Yeah, he had three executioners pointed at it, and I didn't have enough drones, really, at that point. He clearly, you know, once once we got to his shooting phase, you could tell that that's what he wanted to do. But in his in his defense... Um, I think at that point he said, well, no, I made the mistake too. And he, uh, he took it as best he could. And then we played it out and it was actually a really cordial game. It was actually really great. I love, I just, my favorite part was that we talked for like 45 minutes to an hour and then played like a 45 minute to an hour game, you know, (laughs) and still forgot like two really important things. When Titans collide 45 minutes in the making. Yeah, seriously. Um, so that was that was one of the that was a game that uh, I came out uh, narrowly and won. That led to my three and zero. That was my three and zero win. Uh, and then uh, the one before that, I played Ben Wilsonholm, who's a Team Canada member with uh, Scary and I. It was a really w- w- awesome fight. It was uh, he was playing his literally his Team Canada list. He hasn't changed it one inch, except no, he's added an assassin. Um, and uh, we we had a really wonderful game that turned on an Eversore double fighting a unit of three shield drones and failing to inflict a wound, which was awesome. Um, and, I, and I lost in the fourth round against, uh, against Cody, who, uh, who was running like um, basically, you know, like what you see out there, Thousand Suns, Demons, but instead of Plague Bears, he had Zangors, which are still a pain in the butt because they're minus one to hit and they're on a four ups in Vuln. Um, and it was also very, a lot of bodies, a lot of units, a lot of individual models. So it was a tough one for me to win. And I made, uh, I made a bad choice in picking to go second against it. Yeah. You let, uh, you let him power up basically. It wasn't yeah. the power up. It was the fact that I, I therefore seated the table. I think in, t- in discussing the matchup previous, like the previous night, 
Um, I think a lot of the people I was talking to about it kind of assumed that he would just go take the board and I'd be screwed. And the idea of going second would be to try and manage uh, kill more, hold more a little bit so I'd know how many drones I could trade and all that kind of stuff. But Cody deployed with his pinks in reserve, one of the Zangors in reserve, and his other unit of Zangors ready to, you know, Dark Matter Crystal right into me. So he was like in a much more aggressive, like, come fight me footing, which is perfect for me. And really what I should have done is taken first, taken over as much of the board as I could so then I could actually hold, uh, or at least tie hold. Um, and I would have had a really good chance, and that would have gotten me into Jonathan, who, who Scary ran into. Uh, and I, I like my chances against three I knights. I feel like uh, Tauna would destroy some Crusaders. Absolutely crush it. So that if, if, if there was ever a GTI I had a sniff at winning, it was that unfolding of events. So I've been, I haven't mm -hmm. been sleeping. I've uh, been, been very upset with myself. Oh, right well, um, speaking of GT winning, Val, are you going to bring the Supremacy Suit to more GTs? Are you going to start making a run at potentially best Tau or something? Well, I think that one's pretty locked up, and it's not going to be me. <laughs> the guy with best right. Tau might win the ITC. So, uh, well, a best Canadian Tau player? Uh, that's Devin Swan. That's the other. The, he's he's the other best best uh, Tau player. So, uh, yeah, no, I'd be I'd be th I'd be third wheeling a pretty cool gang. If I could, how about third place Tau? Watch there be like uh, ten about, other amazing Tau players. How about the the highest ITC points earner on the podcast? You know, that's, that's, that's something. Award. Although Skari's probably got that locked down, too. Uh, well, I don't know. We, we've still got someone. Skari's won multiple GTs this year, hasn't he? That's true. There's yeah. still one one person who's still in the top 15 in the ITC. So there's more points than all of us. The, the man himself? Uh, well, anyways, I, I was talking about Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I don't think I don't think we're going to beat it. But maybe Skari, Skari's got a sniffing chance at it. Yes. Late, late horse in the race. We'll see. I don't know. The town, like, the main reason I want to run the town is I'm just, like, playing the orcs I've been playing is such a grind. Because it's, mm -hmm. it's a, even, even the list I run, which is the Liam Hackett Mega Knobs list, which is attempting to be lower model count, is still like 130 models. So, so I'm, so like, running the town and a bunch of drones, which is still a lot of models, because it's like 30 drones. Um, you know, I'm down to 50, and it was just—it was so chill all day. I was just just relaxed. I didn't—I didn't have to look at the clock. I was having nice banter. I had 18 <laughs> dice, guys. I brought 18 dice. That's all I needed. You've learned the secret of the armies I like to play, which is oh. like, if I can't have if I'm, if I'm under 50 models, and majority of, like you'd say 15 to 20 of them really don't move a lot, i.e., they're hiding somewhere or anything else. The game is much more relaxing, and you're usually like, okay. I lost. I move on. Yeah, and and I'm the kind of guy who like loves watching the Patriots blow out people. So like, if I crush someone or like, I, I find that really entertaining. Like, it's it's fine. I, I don't mind. I don't mind mismatches, man. So yeah. uh, so it's fine. I was like, my favorite seventh list was the double storm surge and uh, triple riptide. So uh, maybe I found it. Maybe I found my uh, my true calling, the tuna. Like uh, I played a game at the uh, GW one. I killed 150 plague bearers with knights. I had uh, one guy had plus eight attacks. Jeez, Louise! From from killing stuff, and the guy and the opponent rolled four ones. Oh, so, so he had geez. six. He had like seven plague bearers left by the end of it. So he's like, uh, "I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna kill you. I don't care what happens." <laughs> rolled four ones. That is that is ridiculous. 
And I even first. killed the Piper guy. So he's like, well, that's the one. I'm like, awesome. I get to kill more models. <laughs> that's, like, that's the attitude. Oh. Um, so yeah. I have a question for, for Goat Boy real quick. So you, you play Chaos and Orcs. Um, but on the Chaos side, I've heard a lot of lamentations uh, from Chaos players, specifically Chaos Space Marine players and Chaos Demon players, about how good Space Marines are and how you know, their army's in a bad spot, how they're not going to win. I personally don't see it. I think CSM have a really good Space Marine matchup, which I know a lot of Chaos Space Marine players are probably going to roast me in the comments. I get it. But I just wanted to get your opinion on that matchup. Sorry, I had a cough, but I muted it. Um, it's because, so right now, Chaos Space Marines have a lot of play in all kind of levels of their army. Well, well as a Space Marines. And then Chaos don't. They have really good HQs. Um, they can get a lot of command points, um, but they're lacking in some other places of it, based except for like some forgeal dreads and some other stuff that are kind of undercosted. So this is where you start um, seeing where the chaos players kind of get upset about it. That they're like, "Where's my stuff? Like my chaos space marine is not as cool as you know a space marine or a primary space marine." So that's the kind of thought process on it. Do I think it's a complete bad match? But like. No, you have to change. You know how you play. It depends on the terrain. Sure, bolters are going to suck, but um, you know, I'm kind of kind of waiting to see what kind of rolls out. There's going to be a lot of bad uh, space marine armies. So, yeah. I mean, well, I play I play Chaos Knights now. So, yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest things, especially with the space marine release, is everybody has some space marines hidden away in a closet that have just been waiting for an opportunity to come out and play. And it's true. So it's going to be a, a, a meta shifting moment that's going to be a lot faster than some other armies where you have to sort of wait for people to acquire the models and paint them and play with them. You know, here they just kind of, oh, cool, the models that I have are all of a sudden good. So they'll they'll have a, a much larger impact on the meta than, than some other armies. Yeah, it'll be yeah. Ra- it'll be rapid. But I mean, a lot of the, the hot new music, though, obviously still needs to be painted up and, and, and deployed. Um, um, yeah. I think there's a lot of it is that a lot of the armies they have built are going to be meta breaking sense for the current uh, all stars of the meta. So you look at like um, a white scars army against Tau. Tau's like, well, I guess something's going to be charging it for turn one with no overwatch. I'm like, that's probably what's going to happen. And then there's going to be bolters everywhere killing my drones. Like, uh huh. Um, hmm. You know, they have, there's a bunch of those that are just like, I'm going to hit you turn one. Doesn't matter what you do. Um, then there's a, was it, um, we just have to remember the lessons of early 8th edition and there's lots of great articles out there about how to screen um and so like look for look for the good screening units which already are are out there um and are and are in in force uh plague bearers being one of them shield drones being another Um, yes but like yeah i don't i don't think like a a, an alpha striking army is is going to it's gonna like annoy like low scale medium scale players but like the higher skill guys i don't know if that's if that's what's doing it it's usually what the um, they can have enough setup and no LOS shooting that can do a lot of weird damage to the shield drones. It's a but this is these are going to be very specifically built armies. They're not there yet. People don't have it. I just know from people playtesting armies, um, friends are testing marines and what the dumb stuff they're doing. I'm like, awesome. This is what I can expect to see at some point. Uh, I think Iron Hands look really annoying too. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already heard their some of their rule stuff already. So I was like, awesome, this is going to take forever to kill them. Yeah. Um, and then supposedly Raven Guard are extremely, extremely sneaky. So lots that. of, yeah, lots of, um, 
I guess, ambush-style stuff. So I'm sure we'll see uh, the rules leak tomorrow, and then I'll get to see it to write reviews for it this weekend at some point. Yeah. The, the thing about the new Space Marines, I think that um, is maybe frustrating for a lot of people and exciting for a lot of Space Marine players, is there's a lot of, like, oops, this is really good random combinations within the books that people haven't even discovered yet, that people are still trying to figure out. Um, you know, and then you factor that in with just random buffs that units got, like like aggressors, for example. That for 111 points, you can put out 36 bolter shots plus plus their 66 frag launcher shots, which are essentially yeah. more bolter shots. I mean, right I out that. of a 100 point unit, and then that same unit can charge with 20 power attacks, power fist attacks into a character and kill it or something, right? Yeah, I, so I feel bad for plague bearers. That's this is. If well, you want I don't, to see I don't feel a, too bad for plague bears. I if mean, you want to, you want to see some good space marine stuff. I'm pretty sure there'll be multiple streams out there mm-hmm. that will showcase a lot of the cool stuff that you can do with space marines. Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean it's good from an army standpoint. Marines always sell well, so uh, having more stuff, more options out there uh, is overall a, a good choice for them. I mean, look at the FAQ. How little was in their FAQ? Beyond, hey, hey, dumbass, don't use old chatters that aren't in the book anymore. I don't you know the uh, the dumbest thing, dumbest question. Oh, that one. Oh, okay. Then you're gonna yeah, the, don't don't you're, uh, try and combo them with other Adeptus Astartes models. That is the other. That's the second one. You're like, are you serious, dude? You know, come on. You think I that's know? stupid? Because Eldar has only been doing it the whole time. Well, same with um, you. It's really hard. You want to say the worst one? It's chaos is the worst one on it. Yeah, and chaos. Well, it was. I think it was a reasonable assumption to think that you could. Although, yeah. and I'm wondering if a blank like, no one's talking about this the fall fact because it's coming. It is coming. Oh, yeah, I it's know. in September. Yeah. Um. They, I think we definitely after terrain rules need to get fixed. I think the the next item on the agenda is definitely going to have to be an FAQ to the FAQ. Or at the very least, going into the FAQ document and changing a lot of those rules. Because a lot of those FAQs were made, you know, almost two years ago or more than yeah. two years ago now. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know, they definitely have to go in there and changing change some things because, yeah, they're going to start crossing rules. And, and I think know, every points thing. adjustment before the rule of three should be revisited. Yeah. Especially stuff that yeah. went up. Like like um, flyrance, poor flyrance, flyrance, um, uh, kill tanks for the orcs. Like went from two hundred and fifty points to like a billion. Like it was, <laughs> it was like, like four hundred point units now. You can't judge any of the forgeable stuff because so much stuff got overcosted, and then somehow they left some way ridiculously undercosted things. I mean, like the butcher cannon dreadnought from um, Detector Dread. You're like, how is this one hundred thirty eight points? And the marines like, I would love to take this. Yeah, well, I take this every day. The, the hard thing about Forge World is, is that Forge World's releases in terms of FAQs and points adjustments are so slow compared to GW's release schedule that when GW releases things that affect the Forge World units like stratagems, warlord traits, etc., like the Space Spring book, for example, it'll, it'll just buff a random Forge World unit accidentally because you know Forge World hasn't had the opportunity to change that one particular unit, right? And then yeah, like the Scorpius, no. which was already good. <laughs> But <laughs> Kronos, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he's, he's riding in his old hoopty that he's driving around the Scorpius. Yeah, seriously, because that model is um, awful to build. I, I have, I've heard from a number of places, and I don't, don't know where it came from. I assume it was a talkback at one of the the conventions um, that uh, the studio now, like the Forge World studio, doesn't write Forge World model rules. You are correct, sir. That was already asked. Yeah, it was under the yeah. uh, leg- during the legend discussion. 
yeah, yeah. The, they they basically came out and said that um, the Forge World rules were going to be looked at as if they were 40k GW rules, right? Yeah. So it's safe to assume you probably have like play testers looking at those rules that also look at 40k rules. Uh, this isn't. This is just an assumption. It's not me saying confirming yeah. or denying this. But it's probably safe to assume that they treat those rules as if they would treat any other codex rule, which is good. And and we actually have seen that coming out of their new rules, right? They've they've been better about releasing rules. They've nerfed a lot of stuff. They've been toning releasing things that are a lot more toned down, um, as opposed to the the crazy hodgepodge of stuff that we had at the beginning of the eighth edition. Well, and I. Um, I... I, I would also just jump in there that like with the legends transition, which apparently was also confirmed that Forge World, at least the current Forge World stuff, will will survive the legends cut. Yep. Um. So uh, I'd be really keen to see are they gonna redo those bloody books? Because the 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 Imperial Armor books are bad. Like they have typos in them. Like they are <laughs> they are rough drafts. They are. I mean. So I was they, happy they were not as expensive as I thought they were going to be. Yeah, like they yeah. should have been like more like free. Um, and and I wonder if they'll go to the PDF format because that's what they've been doing with most of their rules lately. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah. The, this, the the fate of Forge World is interesting because it could be a thing where they just like when Legends happens, they release a new index or like an Imperial Armor anthology that has all the current line in it, and we have a whole new like run of rules for Forge World. Because even yeah, the town art is weird. Like, it has it has all these these like rules on it that are just very counterintuitive for what it is. Like, it, it can't ignore the penalty for moving and shooting heavy weapons for some reason, which makes no sense when you're like, like every other robot does. The, the kill the kill tank that I was talking about before. It's for orcs. It's BS four. It's the it's like one of the only BS four. It's like the only BS four thing orcs have for some reason is a forgeable kill tank. So I don't know. Is it yeah, it's run by Grotz, right? I think it's run by Grotz. Is it though? I, I don't think, think it's. It is. Run, I thought it was run by Grotz. Is why they made. I think that's the idea for making a PS4. But I um, think it's. I think it's because the Forge World guys, for whatever reason, didn't think to write a rule that gave an exception for moving and shooting and not suffering the penalty for heavy weapons. Because all their flyers are like that too. Their flyers have uh, one higher ballistic skill than they normally would. That's really funny. Yeah. Anyways, so speculation aside. Um, the Forge World Studio moves slower, um, and, and I, I think I don't know if we're going to see something like that, Val. It'll be very, inter- very interesting to see them do that, though. Uh, they do have a lot of stuff they have to work on as well, like uh, bringing 30k back, bringing 30k back into Eighth Edition, um, and you know, just releasing models and rules for all the other games that GW has. You know, they they have a lot of stuff on their plate. All right, um, it's so it's like it's their job. <laughs> well, it's their job, a job. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and move on to the uh, stream talk. As Skari did allude to, I did notice that, Skari. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about playing on stream. Um, so when you show up to a tournament, uh, a, more and more I'm seeing uh, tournament organizers and uh, specifically stream people running the stream, they're having a harder time getting players to play on stream or getting volunteers to play on stream or something like that. Whereas if you have something like Magic the Gathering or other more quote-unquote pro games um, where kind of like that featured game on stream is kind of mandatory, it's kind of expected, um, it's something that you just have to do. Uh, So as we kind of get more and more of a pushback from players who don't want to play on stream, we're going to start seeing uh, streams and streamers and people running streams normalize uh rules or requirements to play on stream like if 
if uh, you, you're on top table, you're playing on stream, regardless of that. And and that's going to create some some kind of feel badsies for some people, I'm sure. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about uh, what it was like to play on stream. Uh, so you guys can hear it from three people who have actually played on stream. I believe all three of you have played on stream at one point. Um, at least a stream, maybe not the LVO stream. I think I think Scar is the only one who hasn't been on an LVO stream. That is correct. Yeah, but Scarry's been on multiple other streams. I have, yes. Yeah, he also streams himself. You can check him out at Scardcast. Probably on a stream right now, actually. <laughs> He's Ooh, on a stream I am right streaming now. myself, recording a podcast <laughs> while I'm painting a model, yeah. <laughs> while talking about streaming on... <laughs> while talking about streaming in Space Marines. You, you, gotta, you gotta learn how to you know, just dip into everything a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, uh, before, before we kind of go into tips and tricks... Uh, for dealing with playing on stream, uh, why don't you, the three of you, kind of recount your uh, stream, playing on stream moments, uh, and kind of, did you have reservations? Did you have uh, problems? Did you have any problems when you were streaming? Was it was it what you expected? Did you have a good time? Uh, I'm going to start with Skari. So the first time I played on stream at a major event was at the Capital City Bloodbath last year. And I played two games on stream. The first was my fourth or fifth round against Josh Death, going into the second day undefeated, and that was like it was a little nerve wracking, of course, because you never know, you know, you, you're like, you 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 want to sort of like not screw up, and you know that there's there's like the scrutiny of people kind of like making sure that you're like playing the rules right, and you don't want to forget any rules, even though it might be like a simple mistake or whatnot. People are always going to be like looking for that water bottle for example now on 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 another note it was you know i felt once i got into the game i didn't really sort of it, like the cameras weren't really there so once once the game got started you know it wasn't something that i was really worried about um and then we didn't have a chess clock in that game so that wasn't really something that i was worrying about either however in the last game at the event so this was the final right uh we did have a chess clock and it was definitely a more high stakes game and you know you can feel it right you've got people watching you you want to make sure you perform but at the same time it was around the time when you know the whole tony got tony thing happened and whatnot and it was that sort of year so you wanted to make sure that you know you were like being like not like Me too, too rough on the rules and whatever and you wanted to kind of you know, give like take backs if they your opponent needed them and just really kind of focusing on being a good sportsman. Not that you're not on a normal basis or that my opponent wasn't like ever. I played Tim. So him and I are local from the same area. So we play each other all the time. It was more being conscious of the fact that other people would be watching. So it's always good to sort of, um, in terms of behavior, remember that you're being sort of like you're an example for the hobby and it's good to remember that you are an example for people who want to get into this who want to play who want to become a part of competitive 40k and that you know playing competitively is not as scary as it can seem right and i think it's important for us to be ambassadors especially at this early stage right now and then um you know, the more you do it, of course, the the more comfortable you sort of get. You know, the next time I was on stream, I believe was at the Capital City Bath, the Blood Bath, the year after, which was this year. 
and it was the honest wargamer was sort of doing all that streaming and stuff and this time it was like just a lot more normal you know just kind of like set up and i didn't really focus on the cameras at all or anything like that i was just focused on playing the game and just getting everything done smoothly and you know making sure that that i just played to the mission and focused on the game instead of focusing on worrying about the cameras and things like that so that's that's like my two cents is just play your game don't don't worry too much about the fact that people are watching you but you know don't be a jerk <laughs> and you shouldn't be afraid to be on stream <laughs> go boy um let's see uh i was on an lvo stream playing against a good buddy from uh houston um br four star all this so before i go to any event I basically get a sheet of paper. I write, I type out all my rules that I need to remember. So one, I can be quick, efficient um, to uh, make sure that, you know, I don't forget anything at the very least. I can point back to and be like, I know, you know what to do then I'm not going to make a mistake. Um, I love being on streams. I like to chat. I like to be, do stuff I like to make, you know, whatever fun comments as we play. Um, I try not to ever have a bad game. Like I tell most of my opponents is like, look, win or lose, I don't really care. I just want to have a good fun time. If you forget something, just tell me. If we're not too far in advance, I don't. It can happen. You go back on there. Um, if you have any questions, you know, I'm here to have a good time. As basically trying to be an ambassador of a of a decent decent game, a decent competitive game. Um, but on the like LVO one, I played my poor buddy Chris, and uh, he done got gopoid. Where it's like, how many fives are you gonna roll? I'm like, I won't. You, you this is gonna be a game. This is not good for you. I'm somehow gonna make all my saves every time you throw anything at me. Um, I think the worst one, I mean, it was a wonderful game, but I accidentally knocked over, uh, poor guys in Dallas's Dodero Dreadnought or Dorito Dreadnought. Um, it fell on the ground and broke <laughs> and I had to, uh, luckily it didn't break bad. So, you know, I always have glue and stuff. So I went through, and I was like, I build these for people. Hold on a second. So I went through, fixed the whole thing. I've got it all cleaned up and it felt so bad on the stream. Uh, also because I was beating the crap out of him as well. So, you know, you have two, you know, double whammy of like, well, I'm going to break your models and then break your spirit. Jeez. Uh, super nice, super nice go boy. Um, another wonderful memory was uh, having a Lord of Skulls back in the initial days of 7th edition uh, during a Storm Raven spam. He survived three Storm Ravens or four Storm Ravens shooting at him and then proceeded to take down two Storm Ravens with a flamer and his uh, Gatling gun, cannon. So I'll take that as a win in my heart. Um, but yeah, I think from a stream standpoint, I like to do it. I always find it fun. Um, I play armies that don't take very long. So I know always from a time frame, we can sit there and be chatty, make it easy, make it nice. I like to show, you know, uh, how you can be a pleasant person and still competitive. Um, so that's the biggest thing. So for me, I'm always, always when every time you know you've asked me, Pablo, I was like, you can always be on stream. I'm more than happy to chit chat, have a good time, and at least show you know, so hopefully something interesting to watch on the stream. Right on, Val. Yeah, I, I, I've been on. I think I think the only stream I played. I've done a couple bat reps, but like the only stream I've I've played on is is the 40k stream in what would have been 2017. I think it was before I ever even did a podcast with you. Is that right, Pablo? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were actually back then. You were actually a guy who just reached out to me on uh, Facebook or something, um, and just kind of like, yeah. uh, at, you know, we're kind of like a fan or a guy that liked listening just, to the podcast. Just a fanboy. So, yeah, and I just really want. I just remember you. You really like resonated with me. It's, you know the way you talk oh. and stuff. I, I had a little like baby fan crush on you. That's that's what content producers call fan. Anyways, fans they have crushes on or man crush thing. <laughs> 
Anyways, uh, but no, I just remember I remember you're a really cool guy, and I was like, you know what? I think let's let's gotta try and get him on stream. Yeah, uh, you uh, nice against army. against Matthew Shuckman. Yes. Matthew, right? Yeah, Matt Shuckman. Matt Shuckman. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Shuckman, who um, I know who he is now, um, <laughs> didn't even really know who he was after the stream, but uh, he uh, he is a fan of the Eldar Seer Council, and uh, ignorance is bliss. So, like we've talked to two guys who are pretty salty veterans going into their first stream experiences. Um, I was playing in my first LVO, which might have been my fifth tournament ever, somewhere in that range. I just gotten into 40k, and now I get to go play on the stream that warhammer rob is running because it's a brand new thing i'm at lvo it was so cool to me it was just like an amazingly awesome experience and uh it happens really fast that's one thing too is if you don't see the stream coming you know you're just sort of toddling over to your table and then some sweaty pablo runs over to you and says ah, yeah, is a stream <laughs> and then you're like what and uh and then you know you're being swept away to this this weird booth and uh Shuckman was actually we almost didn't go on because uh he was scrambling uh to find um, a replacement for his now OOP frontline gaming MDF void shield generator um <laughs> which they did locate and so he had a legit one and he, that he they borrowed off of somebody else I'm sure Pablo found it and stole it um, yeah I just the, asked a person a random person and this is seventh edition and it's seer council so he um you know and and matt talked real fast and he knew what he was doing and he uh is just he he, he passes me this sheet of paper that's just like a hundred words on it and those are the spells that he knows and he like runs me he, you know he does his best to be like all right and this guy's got this guy this and this and this and this and this and that and like he just runs it all down I'm like yeah cool and I'm running Riptide Wing and the Endless uh, Drone Piranhas thing, which was so much fun. And, uh, and then he proceeds to just Harlem Globetrotters me on, on the stream. And I made him kill every last single unit, as far as I recall. And halfway through it, too, I, I did something that... Here's, here's a stream don't, at least on the GW stream in 2017 anyway. Don't walk up behind the, uh, the, the Shoutcasters. Um, and try and make pleasant conversation with them because there's a velvet rope there for a reason, guys. You are not to talk to them, and so they uh, they seized up so hard when I like there's footage of me like popping up and I go, guys, did you know he could do that? <laughs> and and the answer is they didn't. One of my favorite moments was also the uh, the guy working the keyboard, uh, and this tells you the condition of of certain GW elements at the time. So there's like a a, a side table reporter who's like relaying. Uh, the information back to the guys commentating the game, which is why commentary often is like interpreting shadow puppets um, because they're getting like snippets of bad information. And uh, this guy's like, man, this is, so Riptides are pretty good, huh? And I like that. I'm like, are you serious, man? Like, there's like more Riptides in here than people. Like, you don't know about Riptides, dude? <laughs> And uh, it was just, it was a blast. And I, I think that that to me, if if people are worried about you know, armchair quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff, people ripping on you. Well, that welcome to the internet. And also, most streams, you're not visible. Mic'd up streams may be a different bag. I've never been in a mic'd up stream, but a GW stream, you're not mic'd up. They can see your hands. Some friends recognize me from a ring I wear. That's about it. Um, it's a big golden ring that says Val forever. It's just, a, it's a giant P for my actual surname. It says, it'll be a tuna suit in three years. <laughs> That's right. I love suits, but yeah, no, I think just have fun. It's like, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a neat spectacle and you get to be a part of history. You get to watch it back later and see, see what all the peanut gallery thought was going on. 
and I was pleasantly surprised that they thought I was in the game longer than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it's a lot of fun. Go out there, have fun, and try and say like you know it's it's you're already probably pretty tuned up, um, and you know you're going into an ele- more elevated um, situation. So uh, don't be afraid to take a minute and be like, actually, Matt, I don't know anything that you just said. Could you say it again, please? That would be my one thing. Is, is still go through your pregame routine, try and get settled, try and find that center, you know, so that way you can uh, you can actually have a good game. Because what Scary said is true as well. Once 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 the dice start rolling, you know, like like they say in the NFL, you just got to get hit once, and then and then the game starts, right? So I think the same thing applies to uh, uh, Toy Soldiers Miniatures game. Just without the concussions. <laughs> <Yeah>. Without the concussions. <laughs> um, so. I've actually got a unique situation um, in that I've run or I've run a couple streams, but but not very many. I've mostly helped run a lot more streams than I have personally run, um, as well as I've been on one stream uh, at a tournament, and I've been on a couple live streams through Frontline. So is um, this a stream of consciousness? Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, so I I've kind of been on both sides, uh, and and so. Um, with that, I understand how hard it is for both players. So when when people say like, "Oh, I'm I'm really nervous and only a stream," uh, it puts me at a competitive disadvantage that I might not like, or maybe a perceived competitive disadvantage. I, I can empathize with that because it it is it is something new. It is something that uh, if you go to a tournament, you you're, and you don't expect you'd be on it, but all of a sudden you're on it. It, it can create kind of an anxiety that you need to overcome, and um, sometimes it is as simple as just you know, taking a breath, taking it easy. Uh, but if there's more other concerns, like um, if you're worried about it causing you to lose the game, um, just remember that a lot of those Twitch streams, especially the GW stream, uh, th- they're not trying to make you lose the game. They're not intentionally trying to stop you, slow play you or anything. There have been horror stories where that's happened, but in all of those cases, I've looked into them and they've almost always been at the fault of like both the player and the stream or maybe bad circumstance it wasn't. It wasn't like um, a, like a supreme incompetence. What are you talking about? So, so um, there there are stream controversies that have happened since streaming began in 40k, right? Ever since Nadavadi versus Israel, uh, but specifically LVO. like them taking too long to get set up or something. Like, is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, well, there's so there's different things. Basically, what I've seen primarily when players don't want to go on a stream. Uh, the main, you know, kind of cascade of events that leads to people not wanting to be on stream has always been something like this. Something happens, uh, something happens on stream where uh, either a player that's still played or something happens with the stream and the mics or just whatever. For whatever random reason, something happens. Uh, and then that player goes to their buddies. The player that lost usually goes to their buddies and kind of says like, oh, I had a bad time on stream. Or something like that. And then it kind of spreads to the tournament. And then uh, you get people who don't want to be on stream. Uh, and this did happen at this last year's Nova. Or this not last, this year's Nova. And it has happened not only at the LBO, but other events that stream. Uh, I've had TOs personally come up to me and say, Hey, I'm running a stream, but I have this problem where I have a few players that, that have already told me like flat out they're not going to be on stream. What do I do? So it's it's actually something that, that has happened and has kind of been an issue in the past. Um, I think... I think with the uh a rapidly i guess i don't want to call it professionalization but standardization uh hired expectations higher um uh what's the word um status of of large tournaments and the fact that people want to follow the coverage i'm really and because i run a podcast which specializes in getting coverage i'm getting annoyed at at the concept of of like first of all tos who 
um, don't appreciate that there's an audience watching their event, that their event isn't just a little thing, and that there are people who genuinely want to know what's going on, and they sort of uh, are resentful of that. Um, and I think it, sh it should be an expectation, and streaming is part of it, that you know we're doing something... Uh, when you're running a tournament, the community wants to know what's going on because it's cool, and they don't get—they're not playing in a tournament that weekend. They want to know about it. So I think like streams should become a base expectation of entering a tournament, much like playing games is, um, and that uh, you know that should be more explicitly laid out. Like if you have a stream table, because like right now I'm very sympathetic to someone who says I don't want to go on stream because they've—they haven't said anything to anybody that said that they consented to that. Um, I think it should just be if you do have a stream table like LVO does, there's very clear expectations about what what you know your duty is uh, when you're when you're called uh, to be on that stream, what the standards you have to uphold if you are on that stream are. Just be clear with this stuff. Um, I, I mean, we're, we we might be playing a, a, a game, but like people take games very seriously. There's no reason why we shouldn't either. So I think yeah. I think the idea of like ducking a stream that you knew was there and there are you know it's been. You've been you've been told about, and um, it's it's just playing a game in a public forum. You know, I I understand someone who doesn't want to be mic'd up. I get that, and that happened at the ATC a couple times. Um, and I think it happened at uh, the ETC too, where they just you know refused to mic. And okay, I can get that. Um, but to not allow you know your hands and the game being played to be broadcast, I think that's a little that's a bit much. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, it, and I, I mean, I agree with you, Val, um, but at the flip side, there's an entire, you know, thousands and thousands of people listening that maybe, were, I don't want to call them selfish, but they, they might not care so much about the community, they might care more about just their game and their tournament experience, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, I know that's, I know that's like, a, it's not what, the way I think, it's not my mentality, um, but th this is just more of a, a philosophical argument or kind of like a, a mentality, uh, difference, yeah. but I, mean, I, for the I most part, these are people, people like these are, for the most part, these are people in contention. They're yes. not, they're not folks like, like in 2017, you were just pulling randoms. Like it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't, <laughs> although I must, I, we probably were both on a perfect record at that moment. Um, you know, like we, you know, you are, there are known quantities and those are the guys who are going to wind up being picked for streams or, you know, they're on top tables and that's why they're on stream. Um, you know, though, if you are that person, I think the reality is you're going to wind up on stream. And if you're a top caliber player, a part of your skill set more and more is going to be being able to play with an audience watching you. It's just, it's just the leveling up of the game. And yep. uh, to to add to what Val said, I feel that as a tournament organizer, if you want to make sure that people go on your stream, you should make it very clear and just put it in the player pack. Yep. You know, if you are in this bracket or top three or whatever, you should be ready and expect to be put on stream. Yeah. For example. Yeah, and then that's that is a tip for tos as well. For if you have a stream, you should definitely put it somewhere on your player packet. In addition to making sure that the stream terrain is, is consistent with what you see at the table. Now, if you want to get fancier, if you want to, like, for example, the GW terrain, uh, they want to use all GW terrain, um, but they did still keep it consistent with Nova's rules. I, I do understand it was probably a little bit higher, taller <laughs> than, than your average hey, Nova table. it looked table, awesome. But it did yeah, look awesome. Cool. And I just want to give a quick anecdote for those of you who, who might think that it was a real issue. It wasn't at all. Uh, Richard Siegel actually told Reese... Um, earlier in in the tournament, Rich Siegel, the guy who won the event, um, that if he played on the GW table, he would auto lose on that terrain against that matchup that he played at the very end. 
sure enough, Richard Siegler goes onto the top table, final round, and wins. Beats, beats destroys the crap Nick, out of Nick. Oh my just god! Just destroys Nick. And Reese uh, immediately texts me, and he's just like, "Richard said he he wasn't going to lose in this matchup on this table, and is just crushing Nick." And I was just like, "This, this is you know it." Though the point is, is that uh, when you when you start looking at at specific little tiny things, and this isn't just a stream tip. This is a general. 40k and probably even a general competitive life tip when you start looking at little things like that um that affecting that that can maybe affect your game it starts getting into your head and starts to tilt you a little bit um you know so it's very important to separate logic from you know belief and and just look at well will this uh, will this train actually affect my army will this little tiny thing that bothered me briefly will is it actually just putting me on tilt or is it actually something i yeah. need to be concerned about when i'm playing this competitive game yeah, right yeah. and so i mean you like, know sometimes when you're when you're playing a sport it rains you know yep, like that, that's, that's that's you know you got to deal with what the conditions are sometimes when you're playing in a 40k tournament you show up at a table and it sucks and you got to deal with the conditions as 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 they appear before you, and part of that is going to be playing on a stream table, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And so, um, just look at conditions that affect that affect you, like that will actually affect the way you play. Like if there's like a a hill that you're rolling dice on, and your dice are constantly rolling down off the table, and that's affecting time. Like some something that actually will affect the game in a kind of you know physical way anyways um so scar and goat boy uh if you're you guys have both goat boy you've to'd right you've, i have a little little have, little bits have you to'd a stream tournament i have not yet so not this yet. will be probably you my will. first one perfect um so when when you're the to uh and you have to deal with um players obviously you're, you have to deal with all sorts of players complaining or coming to you with problems and things that you have to fix something that all tos have had to deal with uh but when you add on the the stream it adds another level um as a to what do you think tos can do to prepare their tournaments more to make their tournament fit to be a stream right or to have streams or maybe if if their communities are kind of pushing against the stream but the to really wants to move forward uh like with uh an event recently that i found in australia where a group of guys really want to have a stream at their tournament but they but the tournament the the community is kind of like pushing back against the the stream or having streams on at that event basically i mean you're looking at a standpoint of uh it's a way you advertise your event you advertise your your tables you advertise hey we have this awesome terrain we advertise that people are having a good time so from a standpoint of any kind of to it's like yeah guess what the top tables are going to be streamed the top tables are going to be streamed and if you expect to be winning and be in the top tables Towards the end of the event, expect to be on stream. If you don't want to be on stream, well, then don't win your games. You know, if we'll try the best, but like if you're the number one at the end, hey, you're going to be on stream no matter what happens. So I think at this point now, with the way events are, I mean, every you know every weekend there's an event. Most of the time, they have a stream somewhere because it is a huge batch of advertising that they need to you need to go on. So if one or two or whatever a couple of players complain about it then you know you don't play and don't expect to find events big events that will actually let you play if you complain about streaming you know uh i if you if you're if you're starting an event and you you have put, receiving pushback from say usually it won't be from the entire community it'll be from like a select vocal minority mm -hmm. that is just vocal and 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 you know puts up a stink then you as a TO, the first rule of being a TO is run it because you want to run it, 
right? And then it doesn't matter how big or small it is at first, run a good show, and then eventually people will just start continuing to come to your event because you ran a good show. So have confidence in your vision as a TO. And if there's people who don't want to be on stream like the first year while people are getting used to it, find people who do want to be in stream. Could be the last table at the event or, you know, the mid tables. So it doesn't have to be the top like top top table just have people on stream people then will have fun talk about it and eventually it'll build itself into something that you can kind of build on further hmm. uh, okay so i, I want to move on so i want to talk about the nightmare scenario which i think it which i think is primarily why people tuned into this podcast who wanted to listen to this topic want to hear about and so the nightmare scenario was this let's say round one you're picked to be on stream you're not undefeated uh, there's maybe not necessarily uh, an obligation for you to be on stream or or you might not have expected to be on stream because, you know, you're not undefeated. It's the first game, but someone has to get streamed. And unfortunately or fortunately, it had to be you and your opponent. So let's assume for this scenario, you are not someone who wants to go on stream. However, due to the player packet, uh, you have to go on stream. So you're nervous. You're anxious. Uh, you've been picked first round. You haven't been expecting it. Maybe this is your first tournament. You're going up against uh, a known competitive player, someone who you know is going to crush you. you. You know the full nightmare scenario. What is some What are some advice that you can give to this player, other than uh, you know take it slow, take a deep breath um, that you've already given that maybe hasn't been said yet? Uh, and I do have one piece of advice, but I want to say I want to give you guys a chance first. Uh, we're gonna start with Goat Boy this time. So if you're the first time ever going on stream, um, I would. Uh, you know, relax is the easy thing. Is just a game. You know, if you do good or bad, no one's going to remember you doing good or bad. Uh, they'll remember you if you uh, did something wrong, but just winning or losing, it doesn't. That's not a, a memory they're going to necessarily keep in their head. Um, did something wrong is in maliciously wrong. Uh, uh, I'm even non-malicious. Like, there's people who made mistakes, and then it's like goes off in the chats. You know, you're like, they did this wrong. Blah 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 blah. And, you know, it wasn't malicious or like some of the stuff that happened on stream at Nova, you know, um, so or stuff you've seen on other streams. You're like, oh, this is a, someone did something wrong. You know, just just calm, play your game, win or lose. Just know that, you know, you got picked probably because usually it's not random. Usually it's because this army looks good on, on the stream um, and just kind of take that as a, a benefit that, hey, we liked what your army looked like. We want to see on the stream and just utilize it as a ha have a good calm and hopefully decent time. Usually if someone's kind of a, a jerk player, uh, most of the time they're usually on their best behavior on the stream. So that yeah. also is helpful too. Also, yeah, being picked to be on stream, this is kind of why I'm a little bit standoffish about this. I think it's a compliment, or it's mm -hmm. like, it's awesome. Like you are being picked to represent that particular event. On uh, like in front of maybe four five people is it's like a it's a true honor. Hundred percent. I mean, you have to look at that. People they want to watch you play your army. You know, that's a pos it's, it's a pot. It should be a positive experience. I mean, yes, if something crappy happens, that sucks. But know that if it happens to you and you weren't doing anything wrong, you're gonna look like you know the 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 good good player at something crappy happened to him. I think this is like things that are like I just I'm 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 resisting this concept of like even being worried about something bad happening because it's the same it's the same scaremongering as tournaments in general have always faced, which is I'm gonna go and there's gonna be someone who's mean to me and I'm gonna have a bad time and that's bullshit. You know that's that's just just 
it ha like it, it happens, but it is a rare thing. Like it can also happen in the parking lot and someone steals your parking space and you get in an argument. Like it's it's you know, bad interactions happen between people all the time. Like don't live your life in fear because and like do things that, that you know, like pass up on a fun opportunities like playing on a stream, especially in places like the GW stream or Scary stream, which is really well run. I got to be a TO with him running a stream. Like it is, it is, it is a, like it's a great opportunity. It's cool. You get to showcase, you know, what you can do in the game, and also what your army looks like, which is probably what you've spent a ton of time on. So I don't know. I, I like, just, it, it's a cool thing. And and if, if anything, if you're worried about like people having uh, a problem with something that you're doing, well, you you have a video record of what happened. So like, unless you have ill intent, you know, like you can always explain what actually happened like i don't know it just doesn't make any sense to me so i you know i'm gonna approach this from the point of view of, of someone who you know suffers from like social anxiety or something like that right because yeah. a lot of the times like we do we like we play a game that is that is ideally or not ideally it's usually um gravitational towards people who enjoy time to themselves and are not exactly the most social of beings that go out and want to be the center of attention. I right, so that. when we we can't always we can't always be Val who goes onto all the podcasts, right? That's true. So um, so if, sometimes if we were those people we wouldn't be at the tournament. Well, know. but a lot of people go to these events and and that is a you know and sometimes that that social anxiety will sort of make them feel completely out of place. Be like, okay, so me being in a in a room with a hundred people is already weird enough. Right, I already feel anxious. You know, I decided to brave the elements, and now I'm supposed to go on stream. And yes, they might have not even come to the event in the first place. Granted, a hundred percent. But if they did, uh, you know, it could. I could see how it would totally feel like alien and weird. Be like, oh, now I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna sweat like buckets because I have to. People are gonna be watching me from all over the world, and you know, this and that. So I understand from that perspective, and. You know, what I would say is, you know, we all have our little tips and tricks and strategies to sort of deal with social anxiety. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes when I'm in a crowded place, uh, I wear a hat, you know, and I just kind of like have a little bubble to myself when I'm feeling just particularly anxious, surrounded by a lot of people. So, you know, we all sometimes have little things that help us sort of ground us. And once we start playing and rolling dice, the immersion is usually the savior so just kind of get it started and over with as quickly as possible and try and just if you're not gonna if you feel like you're just gonna put on a show and not win like do crazy things like have your like your warlord go and try murder their warlord in close combat or you know just like do do some <laughs> cinematic stuff to just you know make it entertaining for you while you're while you're trying to not worry about the social anxiety part of it so i I, I just really want to step in quickly because right now I seem like a monster. Um, the uh, the thing I would say to that too is if you if you have genuine um, you know problems with social anxiety and you have gen and like it's already a challenge to to get to the event, um, come to the event and also this is why it's important for tos to let people know that there's a stream so that that person if if they have legitimate reasons why they can't be on stream. Uh, because they, you know, it's 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 going to be incredibly uncomfortable for for reasons beyond their their control. 
um, they have the opportunity to opt out. I think that's a reasonable reason not to be on stream. Yeah, and I've yeah. had people at Delvio and other events in the past come up to me privately before the event even started, or even before we were at the event, um, and say, "Hey, I really can't be on the stream for whatever reason." I've had, and I've heard a bunch of different reasons. Um, yeah. Some of them have been, you know, legitimate reasons where where I understood completely, and some of them have been sillier reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the point is, is that there are people that go to TOs before the event and say, Hey, uh, you know, I can't be on the stream for whatever reason. Um, and it, you know, if, if you're someone like, like, um, Sean Nate, like someone like Nick Nadavati, Brandon Grant, who's been on a billion streams, more streams than all of us combined. Um, you know, I think it's probably safe to assume that you're probably should, you know, prepare to be on stream or you should expect to be on stream. Um, but if you're someone who, who's going to the event to go to have a good time, you're not a Brandon Grant, Sean Naden, someone like that. I think it's, I think it's safe to go up to the TO and just say, Hey, look, I, I can't be on stream. Um, and then the TO, if you are a TO and someone says that, just say, you know, that's fine. Um, just be aware that y if you make it to the finals, um, you know, we'll have to work something around that. You probably will have to be on stream, but maybe we won't have you mic'd. Um, just, you know, prepare for some, some, you know, uh, what do you call it? Back and forth, some um, give and take, give and take compromise, uh, which kind of segues into my tip for getting for going onto the stream. So let's say nightmare scenario: you're picked to go on the stream round one. Uh, the first thing you want to do is you want to show up to the table and you want to set up a space for yourself. There's usually always space around a stream where you can set up your army, uh, but just you know, pick a spot. Uh, where you can set up your army, where you can step away from the stream for a little bit and, and kind of just like take a step back and, and you know, just hide, hide or make it your safe spot. There's always a place like that. I, I see the best players in the world do that, where they'll pick a specific table on the corner, on the side somewhere, or they'll move a table physically. And and that's the second thing is, is when you go to a stream, you, you're not under the control of another person. You're not like, you're not like the NFL. You're not going to get fined a billion dollars wearing your Skittles socks, right? Like there, there's things that you can do to make yourself comfortable. Um, you know, you, maybe you can ask not to be mic'd. You can, you can ask to maybe adjust the terrain a little bit. You can ask to um, switch spots with your opponent. If your opponent has a spot or if you have a spot that you don't like to, there's, there's different things you can ask of the staff to help accommodate you. Uh, maybe you need more space. Maybe you need an extra chair uh, or whatever it is to make yourself comfortable. The stream team is there to help you. Then they'll yeah. always be there to help you. They're not going to yeah. tell you no. Right. Yeah. So whatever you need to do to make yourself comfortable. And even if that's having a judge there. Right. So maybe maybe you're super nervous because you're worried that uh, time's going to get called. You're going to run out of time and you don't have a chess clock. You could always ask most TOs, especially the highest level events that have these streams. They're going to have chess clocks on hand. You can ask for a judge You can at your table. You can ask for a chess clock at your table. Uh, you can have the judge even maybe even monitor the chess clock occasionally. What, whatever you want or whatever you feel is would be able to help you you know and your stream experience more just ask and if you know if they tell you no maybe you there's some give and take there maybe there's some compromise there that you haven't talked to the point is is that um when you go you shouldn't just resign yourself to your fate you know you should always take your fate into your own hands you should always take your game into your own hands and that includes being on the stream not just playing your game of 40k so that was kind of like my big soapbox for that i think that was some good advice well said all right um, and as a TO as well, be flexible. Absolutely. You know, like, don't, 
don't be like, oh, my event is now ruined because I can't stream this one game. Ah, you know, like, don't just be flexible. You know, you're, you're as a TO, you're there for the players, you know, so so don't, you know, don't, don't, don't be inflexible. Accommodate the players, you know, because it's thanks to them that you have an event in the first place. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. reasonable accommodation is, is actually is a legitimate thing. And there's no reason why you shouldn't be accommodated if you have reasonable accommodations to be made. Um, and uh, I just, I, first and foremost, I just think that, like, there's lots of stories of, of folks who, um, you know, as things get more serious, uh, have to overcome uh, certain adversities. This is maybe for some other ones. I'm just, the, the read I'm getting from a lot of people is it's either folks who don't want to have their games filmed, which to me is a little bit weird, uh, or it's people who think they're going to be, you know, beat up by the peanut gallery or something like that. So I, I just, I think that's just more of that fear stuff. And I don't think that's, that's necessarily legitimate. There's, there are legitimate things, obviously. And I think the number one thing is communication, talking to your TOs, TOs talking to their players and being reasonable about stuff. But yeah. And, and as a TO, you should get feedback too. Um, v Val, those are some reasons, but the primary reason that I've seen players uh, not want to go on stream has always been top players who are afraid that they're going to lose or that being on stream is going to cost them a game. Uh, now, in the past, when streaming was a, was newer, um, I think it was more of a legitimate concern. And I know we as a stream team had to really put our heads together and ask everyone what we were doing wrong and how to fix things. Uh, and we had to come up with a game plan of sorts to make sure that players were showing up to the table and being as literally affected or as unaffected as possible by the stream. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. And, and so, and in this, in this, you know, this, not only this year's Nova, um, but last year's Nova and, and LVOs and their events, there have been players that are high end players that didn't want to be on stream because of whatever reason. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I think it's important as the TO and as those players uh, to get together and communicate and to figure out, you know, a compromise of some sort. Usually, it's, it's a timing thing. They they're worried about running out of time. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's that's like one of probably one of the biggest issues. Well, it could be running out of time. It could be that the it could be something as simple as your commentating booth is too close or within earshot of you know the the actual players. So yeah. you know, it's having like an impact on the the strategy of the game. You know, things like that. So you you definitely have to take feedback into effect and and make sure that you're having the least so when you know that what i said about starting the stream and then playing the stream and not having to worry about anything that's that's the ideal feeling right if you're if you're in the game and then you can constantly feel like you're in the stream that that could be a problem yeah, yeah. i think I, in general though my my gut would be both players are suffering the same inconvenience right so i don't know it's not That's like true. one of you is on stream. Like you are still both in that situation. And it's you know. So it evens it out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, guys, I I hate to do this, but I I will have to take my Heffel finger leave, a little bit early. I, That's uh, true. Thank thank you for having me on the show, everybody. Great to meet you by the internet, dope boy. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I get a chance to meet you. I thought your um commentary on I think was it, honest work was which one was that one you're doing commentary on. Well, those, those, yeah. honest war gamer. I thought honest it, war gamer. I thought it was pretty uh, excellent. I uh, I knew I was uh, I worked with you getting your illustration for your uh, logo design done, but I thought your commenting was uh, was good, was funny, was interesting, and I thought it was did a wonderful job of uh, trying to make uh, get this game with a lot of interesting kind of thought process. Enough snarky, um, snarky commentary. That's why you know a lot of you know beyond everything else. The reason why I miss uh, 
Mr. Jeff. I always love the uh, snarky, a little bit of snarky attitude, which is, you know, makes me laugh. Well, That's if, I have one, if I have one iota of that much snark, I'd, I'd be pretty happy with myself. So <laughs> thanks for the compliment, and uh, enjoy the rest of the chat, everybody. Thanks, Val. All right. With that, we should transition into the final topic. This one's going to be very brief. Uh, I just want to talk about um, dealing with judge calls, specifically as a player. Um, now, if you listen to the most recent 40K Stat Center, uh, you will have heard Mike Brandt talk about um, a judge call that was made on the Nova stream. Um, where the judge made the incorrect call and it affected the game. Um, and as you can imagine, a player did come away from that encounter, um, you know, feeling upset, being, you know, being bummed out that he lost, which, which is, which I think is a fair thing to say. Um, now I, I don't want to go after judges too hard. I don't want to vilify judges or vilify this judge. Um, judging 40k events is very, very difficult. I've had to judge multiple large 40k tournaments run by Frontline Gaming. I've made bad judge calls where I've immediately regretted the call or or afterwards I had to go up to the player and apologize because I knew I made the wrong call. And I think I've made good judge calls, but they were good judge calls that were very controversial uh, and made the player upset anyways. Um, and I've definitely made a call that's decided the game. Um you know, it, it's it's unfortunately it's just the way judging works, and it's why referees and judges uh, get so much flack from fan bases. Uh, it's because you know they have to make tough calls, and so uh, I kind of wanted to talk about what happens when when you've got a judge call that you disagree with or that's affecting your game, um, and also how how to deal with that um, both on and off the table. Uh, and so I, I, let's just go to Scary and Gopoy real quick. Uh, have you two ever been on the receiving end of a bad judge call that made you um, feel upset or, or really, really affected your time at the event? Uh, so I'll, I'll start there, Goatboy. Um, in terms of judge calls, the first thing to understand is, you know, you're an event that trying to make things go smoothly. And at the end of the day, you know, a judge call is a judge call. So, you know, whether it's right or wrong or whatever, like, you know, you have to respect the authority of, of the judge and you, it does have to be taken with like a grain of salt that you have to, you have to, you have to kind of like abide by it. Whether you agree with it or not, you know, it's, it's sort of like that sacred status of, you know, you know, that you have the horror stories of people going, I don't care what you say and you can't, you know tell me what the judge call is like if the judge says it is it whether it is right or not and it could cost the game like onus is on you as a player to sort of respect the judge call have i been on the receiving end of a judge call that i feel was not warranted or that was erroneous at the time yes 100 percent. right it's it's i feel like it's something that will happen to you at some point especially if you start playing warhammer competitively and it could be something as simple as a misinterpretation of the rule, or it could be something as complicated as a sort of like a erroneous active judge call. You know, there's a difference between a judge and a referee, right? Like a judge is more impartial to the game and, and kind of acts when called upon, whereas a referee is more of like an active judge that sort of has a has a like a role to play in making sure the game runs smoothly and will jump in or interject if they see something isn't going to the rules, right? And um, does it, does it, is it the end of the world? No, it's not the end of the world. Does it suck when you get a bad judge call? Yes, of course it does. But you as a player, you have to sort of take it in stride and, and then, you know, bring it up to 
the judges or the judging staff later as a um, as a constructive feedback so that they can improve and and it helps the rest of us not have to go through what you went through and that's kind of like as much as I can go into detail about that hmm. I I haven't had um, a whole lot of uh, judge issues um, with armies or with other opponents. It's one of those things that, I mean, I've been playing, been writing about this game long enough that usually I'll start, you know, I know kind of where to go look at an FAQ or anything else and a good way of explaining the situation. Um, but rarely do we have to have a judge. I've had, I rarely have I had a judge um, come and discuss. I think the last one, I had was that that lovely LVO where my uh, pure Fryless had done white and we got kind of stuck in the something based on um, some modeling for advantage and some other issues yeah. uh, in the time period. And uh, the person I played is uh, I I genuinely like the person I played, so it's very much one of those things that's very hard for me to you know I was like, well, this is probably one of the 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 last the worst games I've played in the eight years I've played tournaments. You know, I I don't have bad games. I don't really have upsetting games. Um, maybe because I'm lucky, or maybe because you know, overall I'm by positive attitude. And if I get cheated on something, I get cheated on something. You know, it's like that's on them. That's not on me. Um, but uh, I think from a judge aspect, you know, you have to. Uh, you hope that you don't get something wrong as a judge when you're answering a question. You can hope for the best on it. But I mean, if that's your ruling, that's your ruling, and that's what I'm gonna stand by. You know, I'm not, if I, and I lose by it, I lose by it. And if I win by it, I win by it. Um, and it kind of sucks from a you know the judge standpoint because like that specific one for Nova, uh, I didn't watch the tape. I've I've heard about it. I've talked to uh, you know uh, one side of it's a very good friend of mine, um, and the other side is uh, uh, someone I don't know. Um, I think it was crappy that uh, he got the judge went went in that direction but you know that's what else can you do about it um but you know overall with nova they got lucky that didn't have a whole lot of badness happen you know so it's just it's a hard it's a hard question i think from a judge you just like always just say all right that's the judging they might have messed up stand by it can't help you or anything else but i think like with nova they have what's it called um persistent judging right they call it something like that Active judging? Active. There you go. That's a better word than persistent. (laughs) And I actually like that in general. I think that if something is wrong, they see something wrong, they go right away and try to fix it. So, um, and I know that one can probably generate a whole lot of uh, hurt feelings. Yeah. Well, I agree with um, the active judging. I feel like if a judge walks by a table or is watching a game and, you know, there's, there's definitely a rule being played wrong or you know, uh, a stat or something that's being used wrong or stratagem that's being used wrong. I feel like a judge right should be to interject and be like, no, you, you that's not allowed, right? Uh, I feel that's a good thing to do. Something that, that I feel that is important is, you know, the difference between doing something like that and then sort of like budding into a game. And that's a very fine line that I feel that you know as we as 40k becomes a lot more professional as a game you know it'll be more clearly defined as time goes on like the do's and don'ts the what a judge can cannot do the difference between active judging passive judging you know and then each event would sort of will sort of have to adhere to 
a specific set of guidelines as the game grows. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually so in terms of the judging thing, I guess I'll talk, I'll touch this topic a little bit because it's something I I really want to talk about. Um, and then we'll go back to the the judge dealing with bad judge calls. Um, but I actually don't I don't like active judging as as personally as a as a preference for myself. Obviously, uh, I'm not super against it, and I don't think any less of events that do have active judges or or that do promote active judging. It's just my personal preference. Um, but I've always felt like active judging. Uh, what's something that a judge is actually impossible to do completely unbiased, right? And, and I say that because as someone who's who's judged and walked around the tables, I always find myself gravitating towards specific players, specific matchups, uh, specific, you know, people. And that's just me personally. And I, I always did my absolute best to stay as unbiased as possible and to do my rounds to make sure that I was always available for everyone. Now, I wasn't active judging. I was passive judging at these events, um, so I'm, I would imagine that active judge judges, un, you know, inevitably would have those same problems where they would, you know, actively judge other tables and that might m- m- make it so that other tables on the flip side would get, um, neglected. Now I, that's obviously a theory. There's no hard proof there whatsoever. I could be completely 100% wrong. This is why this is just an opinion. Um, that's just my person, you know. This so, so I've never preferred active judging. I would prefer like the magic approach, where where I was a DCI judge back in the day, where it's very much passive judging. You know, someone had to call judge, and you went up to there, and then there was a script or or like a set of basically steps that you would take as the judge to resolve the issue as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Um, and so I've always felt like as a judge in 40k, um, I should be called to a table and then basically have like a series of steps that I ask questions and then I'd follow those steps and then usually it resolves itself or, or you help resolve it as efficiently as possible. That's just, you know, anyways, so, so dealing with bad judge calls. So regardless, active judging, passive judging, let's say uh, you have a, something like similar happened, what happened at Nova or other events where, you know, you had a judge call that is actually wrong and that's affected the game. Um, first off, I think that when you have a judge at your table or when you have a judge called at your table, um, there should always be extra levels of communication between all three of the player, all three of you. Now, if the judge isn't communicating or if your opponent isn't communicating, then I think it's your job as a player to step up and help with the communication. So, um, if there's a specific stratagem being talked about, uh, and the judge makes a quick ruling without looking at a codex or without looking at FAQ, you know, even if you have to put it on your time for 20 seconds, you stop the judge and say, hey, would you mind checking that? I noticed you didn't look at the FAQ. And if they say something like, oh, you know, I know it, right? Then if they didn't know it and they didn't call it out, then you've got serious cause to to stop the game and to get some sort of, uh, I, I, I don't want to say penalty or, or justice, but, but you definitely have cause there at that point to stop the game and talk to the TO and ask them for a resolution of some kind, right? Because then, cause then obviously at that point you've got a serious issue. But um, to avoid that as best as you can, I, I do recommend just always communicating, always asking questions about the judge. You don't have to, you don't have to judge their ruling necessarily, take their ruling uh, and question it right there. But if they're making rulings without looking at a codex or things like that, or, or if they're not communicating effectively, it, you're always within your right to ask more questions briefly um, to push the game forward, especially if it's on your time, which is why I love chess clocks. I love chess clocks because you can, at any point in time, 
uh, uh, put it on your time and communicate effectively, which is what I love. I use it all the time. I also, uh, I'm like Goat Boy. I've never had a judge call that's that's completely ruined the game for me. I've never had a judge call that that decided the game um, in a, a way that left either player you know unresolved. Uh, I've had judge calls that decided the game, but that's because literally I had to have like the judge measure distances between uh, a wall to see if Gilman could swing at Celestine. And it came down to like millimeters and the judges did a really good job of measuring it. Um, but it came down to whether Cel- uh, Gilman could swing at Celestine. And it turns out he could. Um, but that w- that's the kind of judge call that decides the game that's a good judge call because you need the judges as you don't want to roll it off, right? You, w- you want to get the most accurate possible result. Um, but yeah, I've never had an issue with judges. Every time judges have made wrong callings against me, that's happened. Um, but I've always accepted a judge's call on face value uh, and then moved on, which I think is kind of a mentality thing more than anything. That's something else I want to add, though. A judge call of just roll off is probably one of, I want to say, is one of the most frustrating oh, judge my calls. Oh, so awful. Oh. Like, I, if you're a judge and you go up to somebody, like, I much prefer you telling me a judge call that is wrong than telling me to roll off on something. Just dice it, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. In. I've literally had units die uh, than have the judge four up it. Like, like um, I remember one time I was at an event and my Space Marines, we couldn't figure out what their morale was. And so we're trying to figure it out. And the judge was like, oh, just four up it, bro. Yeah, on a four up, they run away. And I was like, no they're gone like i don't want to deal with that that's that's dumb <laughs> I, I said that to the judge he didn't like it too much but um we, we had the talk afterwards but i was like that's not that's just not the way i want to i want a judge call to be made even if it's in, even if it's in my favor i still would not want that at all yeah exactly yeah uh so um when you're when another thing besides active communication is to have your rules out uh and make sure you know where your opponent's rules are um, so if your opponent is playing an army, like let's say they're playing a Tau, um, make sure you know where their codex is. If they have forge rolled units, make sure they have their forge rolled codex on them. If they don't, that's immediately something you should tell the judge when they come in. Um, because a lot of times events will have some, you know, something in place that says if you don't have your codex on you or don't relevant rules on you, then then you don't get a, a rule in your favor, something like that. Um, you know, some sort of punishment. So usually, usually it's also. I mean. I have all the rules on my phone. Yes. So. And that's the other thing too, right? Is if if you're playing Tau against Tau and your your opponent doesn't have a copy of the FAQ, first off, how dare them? They should have a printed 1,000-page copy of every single rule in 40K. <laughs> but if they don't, you know, it's easy to just open up a browser on your phone, take the 20 seconds it takes to load up the Tau FAQ, and then just keep that up, you know, on top of your FAQs that you have loaded up on your phone too. It's just, you know, it's very, very simple. That way, if if you ever need to get into a rules dispute and your opponent says, I think it's an FAQ, you could be like, oh, well, I've got it right here. Why don't you, here, on your time, show me an FAQ where it is on my phone. And then they can zoom through your phone real quick while you're doing whatever, and then it'll get resolved. There's, there's just through effective communication and preparation, there shouldn't be, even judge calls, there shouldn't be very many judge calls that don't go your way. Uh, obviously, they still will happen, and then in those instances, uh, you're unfortunately, like Scarry and Goboy said, you're going to have to just take it. You're going to have to roll with the punches. Um, but in general, I think I've seen very, 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 very few judge calls that were so bad and that couldn't be prevented. Yeah. Um, you know, So they're very rare. Very, very rare. All right. And, I, and, and just 
from I wasn't there personally, um, but just from taking personal accounts from everything, uh, I do feel like the the Nova ruling was um was something that probably could have been prevented by all three people at one point. Now I didn't see everything at once. I don't I, I don't know the full pictures, but just judging from what I've heard, it sounds like it sounds like it was just a complete like mess up. Like it was just like a complete breakdown in communication on all parties' faults. Um, you know, which which is unfortunate, but that also that's also forty K. That also happens often. Um and I'm not blaming all of them, I'm not saying that they're bad people. Um, you know, so they shouldn't take that personally. Uh, but I think just judging from what I heard, I think that um, more effective communication would have prevented all of that, w- which is a shame. Mistakes happen, and then we move on, and we learn from it, and we try and make sure that it doesn't happen next time. Yep. All right. That is it. Uh, I know, unfortunately, um, we, we uh, Val Val had to leave. He had to, he had to go um, get ready for the gym, an early gym trip. I imagine he's just working on his supremacy suit. It's probably he's lifting the supremacy suit. <laughs> just, just lifting, rolling dice, right. <laughs> rolling eighteen a little, dice at a time. He got him a little tiny cowboy hat on it, and he says, "Bucker up, buckaroo!" Absolutely. Puts a little hat on. <laughs> um, Before every game, <laughs> you All got right. it, you got it, baby. Uh, so if you have any judge, if you have any judge rulings or judge calls, or if you have any tournament experiences that you'd like to talk about, maybe you were on a stream at one point. I'd love to hear your stories. I don't know. I haven't been doing this a lot lately and I do apologize, but you can always email me frontline gaming, at gmail.com. I would love to hear your awesome stories. You can also put them in the comments section down on FrontlineGaming.org in the blog, in the YouTube. You can even put it on any of the podcast hosting things and apples. Just put, you know, put a comment up of a tournament experience. Maybe you had a bad judge call, a good judge call, whatever you want to know. I want to hear all of, all of your awesome stories. All right. I think that's the end of the episode. Skari, where, if people well, want to listen to you, where can they find you? Uh, you can go to Scardcast on YouTube, uh, here on Chapter Tactics, and or the Patreon page. But, uh, of course, I am Skari, your grateful host, co-host of this thing that we call Chapter Tactics. Signing off until next time. Goat Boy, your turn. Hi, this is Goat Boy. Uh, if you read Bell Lost Souls, you've probably read some of the uh, verbal diary or verbal diarrhea I, I uh, threw up on there once. I maybe read a comic or two and read <laughs> Army List and thought, what kind of uh, dummy is this guy buying, uh, playing uh, big monster, monster stoppy robots? Um, also, uh, I'll be helping run a convention or tournament next year in Austin. July 12th through 14th, the Bulls open. Um, I will be one of the TOs for the 40K event. So look for me to make bad judge calls as well. Um, or maybe not if you slip me a little bit of money or something. Um, as Brad has asked, you know. Ooh. Ooh. Um, but yeah, come um, come on down to the wonderful state of Austin or Texas or city of Austin. It will be a little hot, but we have uh, lots of beer, barbecue, and other fun stuff around there. But uh, yeah, you can see. Hopefully, uh, you'll probably hear me on some other podcast as i uh uh spout some uh bulls open nonsense on other stuff right on and just as a quick aside i love 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 that um so many so many podcasts are uh y- you know there's so many podcasts coming up that now people are doing rounds now you have like people like brandon grant who who do like the full podcast circuit whenever they win a large event you know or like um you go boy you're gonna go multiple podcasts to promote your event it's just super cool you didn't you guys didn't want to talk to me about my uh my uh, north american gw championship win 
her oh my feelings. gosh we didn't even mention it i'm so sorry so for those of you who've stuck around for this long <laughs> we have a north american games workshop warhammer 40,000 grand champion i ended the grand champion at the end i like that i think that's in great. our midst we leave the best for last folks <laughs> you know how every time i tell brand it's like brand you don't have the 2019 world champion north american world champion it's like shut up thomas i'm like hey Hey, you hurt my feelings, Brant. That's <laughs> so uh, an event he won in the the Citadel. Uh, uh, it was a convention center in Grapevine near the Citadel, ah. which is a pretty neat store if you ever get a chance to go. Uh, lots of stuff there, and it's just a neat, cool-looking store. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, won that five rounds of 40K with Chaos Knights and yeah, uh, Red nice. Corsairs. Can I, can I fly over to Texas and, and play you for that title? No. Damn. Is there a belt? There's no, it's a, it's a it's a giant goblet. That's their new uh, trophy for this year. Oh, it's this giant enough. skull goblet with dice inside of it. Hmm. Beautiful. All right. Um, and then, of course, check out the Iron Halo. The Iron Halo is a tournament that is also our official sponsor. You can check them out at ironhalo.org. The Iron Halo is coming up. It takes place at On the Rock Ministries in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, September 28th through the 29th. I believe the Iron Halo is always sold out. However, they have plans to do awesome Night Joust, Age of Sigmar, Kill Team, and then you might be able to get into 40k if they open up some spots there or if they have dropouts. Jason so Horn's that. that guy. I did art for his event as well. Um, wonderful guy. Great great guy. I've played a couple times because um, I'll make the drive from Austin up there. It is a long drive up in Barsville. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a very interesting city. Uh, Phillips 66 was the big uh, business in there, so it's a lot of interesting stuff there. But it's a well-run event. The area is nice. The food in the around there is good. So definitely Jason did a, does a great job. Absolutely. Jason Moore has been a sponsor of the podcast for coming on three years now. And, of course, you should check out the Iron Halo. That's up a great event. Also, go to patreon.com slash tactics if you'd like to support the podcast. If you'd like to ask, ask questions for the next episode uh, and so much more, sign up for that giveaway. Also, you get access to the Facebook group where we and the Discord where we talk all sorts of nonsense and fun stuff. And sometimes you even get to play a game with me if I'm playing, you know, Magic Arena or you know something we can talk 40k and all that stuff of course check out frontlinegaming.org secondhand shop in the finest hour and 40kstats.com and uh stat center all right guys thank you so much for listening guys and gals you are of course all the best listeners in the world and as always have a good one bye see you later